What's up, everybody, and welcome back. And allow me to please introduce my guest today. You might recognize him best from that little show called Real World Hollywood a little ways back. Mr. DJ Will Gill, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I cannot complain. I'm here. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, I want to ask you now because obviously, as I just said, DJ, hence the name, with this whole pandemic and everything that happened this year, obviously, I'm sure that had to have uh, adjusted some things for you, right? Yeah, I, uh, I've, I've pivoted. I mean, I still do a few live events, you know, where applicable, but I've definitely pivoted to doing all sorts of virtual events, whether it be DJing, emceeing, a hybrid of that, or, I mean, I have a lot of friends that I bring on to what I call virtual variety shows, you know, so I, I've been just working, man, working. So how, how difficult was that kind of adjustment now with um, DJing and with the uh, pandemic? Has, uh, did that really, like, did you have plans set that were kind of uh, shifted with the whole uh, pandemic? I would say, like, my last big live event was this, uh, ironically, the Super Bowl. Um, probably for most people, that was, like, their last big, like, live event before everything just started going crazy. Um, yeah, obviously, corporate events, weddings, anything that I was scheduled to DJ for the most part, they went from March through May. They all moved to later this year. And then, of course, they moved again because it's like we're not like nowhere out of this. So um, a lot of I mean, on the flip side, my 2021 is like pretty booked. But at what cost? You know, what I mean, because all those events, it's not like I'm getting anything additionally. People are getting like two gigs for the price of one. But um, better safe than sorry. And, you know, I've made up for it by I've done like 82 virtual events this year. So, um, I mean, it's. That, that SEO game is is nice, so I can't complain. <laughs> For sure. But I, I do want to ask now and kind of take it back away. It's kind of about your casting story and what kind of got you onto Real World Hollywood. Could you kind of uh, break that down a little bit for me? Yeah. So I remember auditioning for, I think it was like a dance show or, or some type of thing that wasn't even part of MTV. It might have been like for VH1 or something. And the casting director there was like, hey, you know, I, uh, I really liked that interview. I enjoyed it. But I'm actually going to be working on a different show. Like I'd love to take this video and submit it. And I was like, I'm down for whatever. You know, I'm young, dumb, full of cum. I'm like, whatever. Like, let's let's take the opportunity. So she took that and wound up being real world. And, you know, you do like the phone interview. Then you go to your local area. Me being from Detroit, it was uh, Chicago. So my dad drove me out to Chicago uh, the day of. And we drove back like mad tired and did a few more auditions and then just got cast. Oh, wow. So this was kind of like a pretty fluent process then, right? Because I know everyone goes through like those, like, I've had a couple of crazy stories that have been told on here. So it was a pretty straightforward for you. You just go to the auditions and then uh, get the calls. And Well, I mean, beside the, the fact that I never went to like a, an open casting where you stand in line and, and you, or you submit, I guess back then it was like stand in line. Maybe nowadays it's more like online based. But uh, again, it was a casting director who kind of like took that tape and then she put it i imagine like a, a few steps ahead of the process because she she already had that in like she was working on the real world she just never said it to me in this other like dance show thing that she was talking about so so do you think maybe like they had that theme of hollywood kind of like already pegged and like they thought that maybe you fit the bill because I have had Brianna from your season on before and she kind of told like a story like that of how like they knew like she was a fit for like that particular season and what they were looking for. 
Yeah, good question. That's exactly what it is. So in that initial audition, I was talking about how I'm getting ready to move out to Los Angeles and I'm leaving. And, you know, we talked about dance, but we also talked about me as like a DJ and, you know, you know, music producers, publisher, songwriter, all this stuff in the world of music. So all the while she's hearing this and I guess she's thinking, OK, like this other show that is looking for entertainers and looking for people that want to be in L.A. This, this guy actually might fit this show a little bit better. So, yeah, she she pretty much just kind of took a, 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 a void and put me in that spot is, is what happened. So you were dancing, obviously, prior to going on, as you just mentioned. Was DJing kind of like in the cards as well for you or did did the show kind of like play a part in why you got into that? So, I mean, before the show, I was a choreographer back in Michigan, teaching at various dance studios and things like that and hip hop competitions. So that was more or less just like paying the bills and saving up money to get ready to move out to Los Angeles. But my heart just it's it's I enjoy dancing, but my heart's not really into choreography. It never really was, honestly. But um, DJing has always been my thing just because my dad DJed growing up. I mean, he was in a band. Grandfather's in a band. Like music has always been uh heavy and as, as far as like everyone in my family goes so um and that's at michigan state you know i had my first pair of turntables up there and uh doing a lot of parties and seeing people respond to me just like mixing songs together it was it was just like a rush it was a vibe so um yeah that that really helped uh, i think to solidify what um they were looking for and I think they, they liked my hustle mentality because back in that time I was selling CDs. Like I had like beat CDs and mixed CDs and it wasn't like rapping anything, just like straight beats for other people to rap on. But I was selling them and, um, you know, they had footage of that. And they I think they they showed that like portion, like the opening of the first episode or whatever. Like they, they that was real 100 percent. But like they wanted me to how put this. So I wanted to come out here and like do music and make music and DJ and everything like that. But like I didn't want to come out here and sell CDs. But they were like, hey, can you like do that in front of the uh, Hollywood and Highland Center. So it wasn't fake, you know, let me really put that out there. But they asked me, can they get footage of, of me, like, you know, slanging CDs or whatever, so. <laughs> so. So would you say that you went out there to kind of like maybe propel your career or was it TV in your mind as well, getting onto TV? Or is it more so just like career purposes for you in terms of furthering like maybe your dancing and the DJ thing or was TV in the cards too? TV was never in the cars. I've always wanted to be a behind the scenes kind of person, um, you know, whether I'm ghostwriting or ghost producing um, or just straight out producing somebody else. I'd rather somebody else deal with the the cameras and, and being out there and in the spotlight and the pressure and all stuff like that. And um, just like how like a writer to a TV show, like they can just write, write and sit in like, their sweats and be fine and then collect on residuals. Like I liked the concept of that. So I never really. My, my goal was not to come out here and pursue television or anything like that. It was to come out here and get a publishing deal, so to speak. So were the opportunities kind of like um, maybe bigger after your season of Hollywood? So coming straight off that season, like what were the um, opportunities and stuff like? I had to go and get all my own opportunities. But, I mean, the show itself, like the name, you know, being able to, to say MTV, it helped me to secure a lot of them. But I just DJ like everywhere um once the the show took off it, there were parts where before the show aired there was about like a maybe a four to five month uh delay between when, when we're done taping to when, when it actually aired and that portion i was still like putting out feelers like hey just so you know the show's gonna air i'd love to go on this 
spring break tour or this, you know, student travel tour or, um, you know, this hotel or these bars. Like just I'm just contacting like different small boutique like DJ agencies and said, hey, like, you know, this is going to happen. Like, how can we set this up? And then once it aired, even those that like never got back to me, once it aired, it was just like email, 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 phone call, phone call, phone call. Can we put you on our website? Can we put you on our website? And so I just started traveling and touring and just really pushing uh, my name and my brand as a DJ. Yeah, and could you maybe talk to me now about maybe what goes into that process of being a DJ, like the preparation? Oh, man. I mean, no two events are like no. I mean, there's so many avenues. You know, like I said, there's the, the traveling. It's weird to talk about this because, like, none of this is, exists here in 2020. But, um, you know, hitting up bars and bar managers, it's like they're the most untrustworthy people on the planet. Um, so you've got to, like, God, you got to come with like like your chest out. You know, it's it's a pissing match, so to speak. So you have to come like, you know, I'm this, I'm this. That, that's not me at all. Like I'm not the kind of person. But you have to like sell yourself like that. Um, another thing, you you, it's a lot easier if someone else is speaking on your behalf. Um, that's just how the industry works. Where um, even if you have like your sister calling these places, say, hey, I represent so and so, and it's just I don't know, it's the psychology behind it. But having someone speak and book for you for whatever their ten percent, twenty twenty percent commission works. Um, just emailing people, sending them content, like even before like Instagram, I think Twitter might've been out then, but even before Instagram, like I was really big on content and sending people any sort of footage I can get from, from newsreels to clippings to, to teasers about the show. Like I was sending that out, blasting out to people saying, you know, I'd love to be on this tour or go out here for this or make this appearance. And you just mentioned about social media too. Do you feel like social media would have played maybe or changed? Um, a lot from when you were on the real world, say if like Instagram and like Twitter were more prominent, because I know MySpace, I believe was like a thing back then, but do you feel like if Instagram and uh, Twitter were things like while you were on the show, um, things would have changed a lot or? Who knows how, how, you know, fate works and then the universe, you know, would have panned out if there were social medias. I mean, I know that, I mean, how to put this? So, the comments, like the, you know, you know how people comment like on everything. There's just like a lot of negativity, and when it comes to social media, especially when it comes to uh, reality shows and things like that, people instantly go there. And you don't know who they are. You don't know what their age is. If they're a 40 year old in a parents' basement, if they're a 12 year old, you know, on the streets, like whoever people are saying these things, these comments, you know, slurs and slander and everything like that. I didn't have to deal with any of that. Um, Maybe a little bit on my YouTube page. Um, there actually still is some on there, but I need to go and clean that out. But yes, yeah, so the YouTube page had some, but YouTube also wasn't like, it wasn't like what it is now with the YouTube Live and the YouTube Red and YouTube TV. It wasn't like that. So people weren't really clamoring to go there and leave all that hate. But uh, I digress. If if there were, you know, Instagrams and Twitters as, as big as they are back then on my show, Eric, yeah, I, I probably would have like, you know, maybe left some response to a lot of them with petty comments and got into a, a what you don't, you, you never do that. That's like the golden rule. You don't give in to that stuff. You don't give in to the hate. But I probably, you know, been stupid and young and been like, fuck you. Like, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on tour right now. Like, whatever. Like, look at this. Like, that probably would have been like a bad call for me, which would probably like put me in a, in a worse position um, for sure. And, and it's a double edged sword too, um, being like a, I guess you could call it like a social um, or public figure with, how prominent social media is because it comes with a lot of responsibility, but it also comes with a lot of potential negativity having yourself out there because you really start to see like the bigger you get, like 
either the bigger crowd of people around you that are secretly envious of you or the lesser crowd around you of people that want to see you fail. Mm -hmm. The higher you go, the, the more people want to see you fall. Or exactly. the heavier, it's the heavier the pull of them wanting you to fall is, is how, how it goes. <laughs> what, what about these opportunities, though, that you mentioned about the Super Bowl? And I noticed that the voice was also a thing. Could you maybe talk to me a little bit about those? Yeah, so it's kind of still, uh, kind of still, sorry, I just turned my phone over. Let's see random sex come in. Um, uh, as far as like, or to, let, me, let me go back. Here we go. Take two. Now, so as far as the the me going back to wanting to be behind the scenes, when I when I do a lot of my events, I don't like to do uh, clubs per se or, or anything like extravagant. I, I like to go corporate. And the Super Bowl part, it's it still allowed me to be behind the scenes, but also DJ. So it was for and I, I do this every year uh, for Super Bowl, but it's typically for NFL on Fox. Um, they're Fox NFL Sunday. So it's that show that leads up to. Um, you know, with all the, the football players, I think Gronk was like one of the bigger uh, anchors this year. So it leads up to the Super Bowl. So I'm at the stadium and they do their thing during the uh, the taping. But during a commercial break, there's a huge crowd out there. So you can't just go to commercial break and go silent. Like you've got to have music, interactions. We're throwing footballs around. The 49ers are over here. Uh, the Chiefs fans are over here. We're getting riled up. I'm playing songs that are related to the Bay Area. I'm playing songs related to Kansas City, and I'm just mixing back and forth. All that stuff is behind the scenes. You won't see that on TV. And, like, I like that like because I'm still doing what I do. I'm literally watching my mixes interact with two opposing sides, and people are just getting, you know, just lit, and they're drunk, having a good time. Um, and it's the same thing over at TV shows. When I do Kelly Clarkson's show, I'm a voice. It's during those commercial breaks, I'll come out. I laugh sometimes. It's kind of like a rodeo clown. Like if you really want to like like label it that, it's like in between the acts. Like I come out and like I do like my whatever it is, whether I'm DJing, whether I'm playing games, categories, and then just all sorts of like whatever comes to my head, depending on the crowd. So that's always during a commercial break. So doing those type of events, um, I, I found like a niche and a, a style. And I'm I mean besides the virtual DJ stuff, but um, that's that's kind of what I do now. Wow, that, that's. <laughs> It's hard to, uh, you know, really knock what you're doing because what you're doing, I think a lot of people would like to do. Thank you. So I'm, uh, I'm happy for you. Um, but I do have to ask, though, who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl, though? Uh, you mean the one back in February this year? Oh, man. Yeah. I would say the Chiefs just because I, mean, I forgot what the stat was. and I shouldn't know this, but like didn't they, they haven't won in like 50 years. Is that was what their first, yeah, that was their first. Time yeah. So I was more or less rooting for that. Um, I mean, I, I was a big fan of Richard Sherman as well, though. But I think that just Kansas City, especially what happened a year before. And I feel like the refs kind of cheated them out that game with the, the Patriots. So I really wanted Kansas City to win. And I'm glad they did. Yeah, and I don't know if you can see the flag behind me. I got the Seahawk thing going. So ah, there you go. Oh yeah, see, so you, you know, you know what it's like to to be messed with uh, by the Patriots. Yo, uh, what's his name is, is going to get that MVP this year, man? He's 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 solid. Wilson, uh, Russell Wilson. Yeah, he's he's, he's got to get the. I mean, at least get a few nods because I know he like never gets nominated, right? He hasn't gotten one vote no, which is okay. crazy. And they yeah, actually he, play tonight too. Say it again. They play tonight too. Oh, snap. Okay. I definitely make sure I'm recording that on my uh, YouTube TV. Thanks for the heads up, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But now since, um, obviously, I feel like we passed the easy questions, now it's kind of time to dive into some of uh, the dynamics that a lot of the fans were wanting me to uh, ask about. Let's so, do it. 
let's hear about this dynamic of yours with Greg from your season. So obviously <laughs> we, we saw that thing kind of unfold and um, it got pretty serious for a while. So what was that dynamic and what do you think uh, led to you guys kind of button heads? I, I don't know what led to us butting heads. I don't, I, to this day, I don't know. Honestly, he's, he's a good dude. Like he's fun. There's a lot of like off the camera, like where him and I were just like goofing. Like we actually hung out the majority of the time together. If, if it wasn't me and Brianna, it was me and Greg, or it was me, Brianna and Greg all hanging out together. Like, I, I'm not sure what, I haven't seen the, see the episode with uh, Brianna when you, when you all take, but I thought like all three of us were kind of cool. He just, he did some stupid things. And I think what was to answer your question. I think what made him kind of turn on me was the fact that I started to defend the other roommates from some of his actions. And that's when he was like, all right, well, you know, if you're not on, on my side, then obviously you're on their side. So it was that kind of thing. And that's where I think it kind of took a turn for the worse. Do, do you think like uh, he was putting it on for the cameras at all? Or is Greg pretty much like a straight shooter? What we saw is what we got. Oh, man. I mean, I don't want to plead the fifth, but like, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. It's like, it's everything we did was real. Like we, or at least everything I did was real. I, I don't know. Is it as far as to say he did that because he saw the cameras come around the corner? Is it even deeper than that to where it's like the producers were in his ear, like, we need you to be this person that season? Like, uh, or or was he just simply like that? Like, we, I don't know. I, I don't know. But um, there were some things that I, that were, he was allowed to do that were like written in our laws, like whatever our contracts that he still got away with. And that's when I, I started to, it's like, I don't think they showed it, but like I, I got to a point where I really became like, like putting on a cape and trying to fend everybody, maybe a little bit too much, but like I was annoying the producers um, purposefully because they allowed him to get away with certain things to to put my roommates at risk, to put their health at risk. So um, it, it, it got pretty like heated behind the scenes between me, him and the production because I, I didn't know what if they were both in cahoots with me or if it was just like um they did like completely step back and let like you know like the, the the gloves come off and let us both just duke, duke it out you know and did you guys like talk like after the season was over like and resolve anything or you guys just left it how it was uh we just left it how it was i mean we just kind of went and did our own thing you know once the the season ends you kind of just have to go out there and grind and enjoy that 15 seconds so we never spoke um there there were like a, a, a akin to you know, certain political supporters out there, we'll put it that way, how they have like a certain following. There was like a massive cult that was just like completely defending him. And wherever like I wrote something or posted something, mainly YouTube, it was just like, you should have done that to Greg. I can't believe you. How are you turned on Greg? And it was like, where are these thousands upon thousands of people like coming from? Um, and I mean, he, whatever, I mean, for, for, for whatever, I forgot the term. Um, Whatever, whatever the case may be, there we go. He just, you know, he, he built the following and he built a brand. So you can't really knock it. But I just didn't like um, when certain things happen that put the, the roommate's health at risk. And that's this is where social media, again, comes into, like, um, plays. Because obviously you mentioned YouTube and such. But say if Instagram and Twitter were big things back during the season, we see oftentimes, like, in today's day and age, like, with shows, like, I cover the challenge a lot and we see like 
people pick sides of cast members that go at it like that this probably could have been like the same case like if social media was a big thing with you and greg back then uh very true yeah it probably would have been i mean i'm pretty sure they they've revamped their contracts now so as far as like what castmates can say after each episode airs and things like that you can't go on your social media and talk about well you'll see what happens on the next episode watch i'm gonna get my i'm gonna get revenge like i'm sure they can't do stuff like that but uh, we'd probably be in the same boat, you know. If an episode aired, you know, tonight, and him and I were, were battling it out, yeah, the, everyone would go to Instagram and be like, "Oh, Greg, how, how dare you?" Or, "Oh, Will, how dare you?" But there's only a certain amount of things that I'm sure contractually we'd be able to 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 uh, snap back with. Right, and now uh, I got to ask you about another dynamic that uh, people were really interested in is they wanted to know how the whole um, relationship with Janelle came about and what that was like. I, I, to this day, I don't know how it came about. I think I just saw her. Oh, our, our local watering hole that we always used to go to. Um, I would see her from time to time. And um, I don't even know how we came to be. I think she just, she may have spoken to me first. And I just did, like, my stupid nerd jokes that I do. And she liked it. And then we just kind of just started hanging out more. So this was during the Hollywood season then, right? Like, you didn't know her prior to coming on to it? I did not. No, I just met her at a place where, uh, like I said, it was like right down the street from us, though, but apparently a lot of real world real worlders go and hang out there. So we went there and it was, at first it was kind of like a, a, an issue with production because it's like, all right, now we're like cross pollinating and we don't want, you know, because they they they're not contracted. They can just go and tell everything, whatever that they saw. But eventually, once the producers started to see that, like, I guess a storyline happening between her and I, because I mean, she was still mic'd up. Like they would have you know, the boom mics; they could hear what her and I were saying. They're like, "All right, this might go somewhere. Let's get her, you know, cleared to come to the house and hang out and blah blah blah." So, did you know like she was on Key West, like when you met her, or did you just know, like, did you just think she was a random girl? I never saw the season, so I, I, I may have heard through somebody like, "Oh, that's Janelle from rural, you know, Key West and things like that," but. Um, meeting her, I, I never, um, I, I didn't know who she was, put it that way. Right. And, um, and now kind of like a more serious, like uh, question now is I wanted to know if like, cause obviously Joey had passed away after your guys season. Did you guys have like any type of relationship or did you guys talk before, um, his passing? Yeah. So, I mean, I know you had had a few. This is all before he went on uh, as a Dr. Drew show. So before that, you know, he had 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 some issues and we would reach out just me and Dave and even Nick Brown would reach out to him. So um, although Nick didn't really have the pleasure of, of, of meeting Joey like on the show, um, he was still like, you know, part of like, the boys crew. So um, all four of us, we, we would just kind of like check in with each other from time to time. But um, speaking on the phone, never really in person or anything like that. But, um, you know, as, as time passed, we all kind of just like felt, I mean, I still talked to Nick, but as time passed, like we all kind of just like went into our own lives, you know? And, um, you just said you talked to Nick, do you keep in contact with anybody else from your season or you guys just kind of do your own thing? Uh, as far as people keep in contact with, it would be Nick Brown and Brianna Taylor. Um, that's pretty much it so i whenever i go to philly if, if so i before 2020 like i would travel with certain companies doing dj gigs and a lot of times i went to philly like once or twice a year so that's when i would stop by and see brie uh and see the fam see the little guy and things like that but 
Nick, I had him uh, come to my wedding. He had him be a part of my wedding for sure. So he came out, showed some love. And, um, you know, I still talk to him from time to time. And again, when I do travel, if it lands me in New York, I make sure to hit him up as well. Right. And I think another thing I want to ask you about, and I think this is the question that everybody's always on their mind is why we didn't see Will on a challenge. But I've yes. heard that there was a challenge a few years back called Battle of the Seasons that um, you and Nick apparently accepted, but you guys couldn't get the girls to round out the team. Is Was that true? Huh. I, I don't know. So let me say this first. And they'll, they'll, their lawyers will like swear it's not that, but there's a little piece in the contract and maybe they've changed it now, but uh, the four or five that I've been asked to go to, I told them, I was like, Hey, I am down. I am in. There's just a little paragraph in your contract. It says that while the show is airing, I can't do, I can't be on TV. I can't do any press. And like, I, I get it. That's fine. But I'm in LA now and I do get commercials. I get booked as a DJ in a commercial. Can you amend the contract so that it says like with the exception of commercials and whatever, like, cause I don't want the show to be airing. I get placed like in a McDonald's commercial, like just even in the background doing like this or whatever. And then MCB comes like, Oh, nope, nope. So get, give us that, give us that paycheck, buddy. No, 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 no. So it's like, and they just keep saying, no, it doesn't mean that doesn't mean that it's like, well, then change the contract. What's the standard contract for everyone signing it? It's like, well, I, I'm not everybody. Like, I, I just need you to amend that. Like, I'm let's let's get this plane ticket. Like, let me pack my bag. I'm ready to like go to Thailand. I'm ready to go to to Bali. Like, I'm ready to go to Australia. Like, let's do this, man. Let me let me let me get my revenge. Like, I want to do this. So, um, it just never happened. They never changed it. And so, um, that's just the end of that. Pretty much, it was a contractual issue. So do you, do you have any knowledge as to if that battle of the seasons thing was the case? Because I think Nick said somewhere else that you and him had accepted that one. I think it was 2012, but they couldn't I would, get, they couldn't I would get say, two girls. That's a good question. I, I would I would, I would err that that would be the cause. Nick would be the person that definitely knows that because he was so into the, the, the season, especially when he had that first one. Um, he was so into it and wanted to keep going back. Um, and I know that he was very connected to the person who does the casting. Um so he probably got like the tips from from them in regards to why it all kind of fell apart. And I'm pretty sure just knowing that the girls, um, it's not their thing, especially like doing one season like they're they're They saw themselves on TV. They're like, no, nah, we're, we're good. Like we need to get back and get our get our careers going. So I definitely could see that being the case. And did you happen to watch like any of your uh, former roommates like when they did their seasons or did you just. I, I did. I, I watched a little bit of it. The challenges, they, they're as much as I want to do one, they're not like for me to watch. It's just I, I get too like, like just like mad at like certain people or whatever. Um, so I, I just, I believed I watched the one, Brianna was on one more, right? Her call. She, yeah, she did. She did like right away or something. So yeah, I watched that one. The one where Nick got injured, I don't think I saw that one. I may have uh, saw that yeah. scene. But I didn't see like the the entirety. Like I, I watch it just to see their faces on the screen. Like, oh my god, cool. But I don't like stay for for the entire uh, show, so to speak. How do you think you would have done though? Because obviously there's a competition aspect, but there's also like a social aspect too, to where like people politic and stuff. I feel like you would have benefited well in the social game. I was gonna say the opposite. So I feel like I would crush everybody physically. I would down everybody as far as like athletic skills and, and things like that. But socially, because there's a, a micromanager slash pettiness to me slash like that back to that like Robin Hood mentality that I have. Or like I want to like like destroy 
the rich powers and give it to those less fortunate kind of thing um, while doing like asshole things. Like I have that kind of mentality. So I feel like the social aspect, I would probably like get voted into certain things like every other episode. But at the same token, I would come out because of of, of my uh, endurance and strength abilities. So, so you, do you have like a sporting background now, or was like so I, naturally athletic? Uh, I mean, I've been weight training. I think since like I think after the shows where I really got into it. Um, and I've been working at a company called Tough Mudder for four years now. So I run the events. I also DJ them. Once I get done DJing, I, I run the course maybe once or twice. I run with you know all shapes and sizes of people. Uh, I'm a personal trainer, like I said, and I work for uh, this fitness company. It's called Form. It's kind of like Peloton, but it's a mirror. And I'm one of their on-demand personal trainers. I can go and like select and see all my different workouts and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, fitness. I mean, it's like a we call it a side hustle, but it's like it's a lifestyle as well. Mm. And um, obviously, I'm sure you have like no knowledge as to how they do stuff now with the challenge. But the way they're pulling. Um, from the casting criteria, real world doesn't exist anymore. And now they're f- pulling from shows like Survivor, Big Brother. They've even pulled from America's Got Talent and Netflix. Really? From this. Yeah. So I was going to ask, what is your uh, thoughts on them pulling from those other networks and shows? I mean, from a business standpoint, you got to stay relevant. And it appears that, you know, the, the it's run its course, the idea of having real world and road rules kind of people doing it so they want to switch it up they want to stay with it's i mean it's a changing demographic you know people young kids are are now coming into that age range that are going to be the viewers so it makes sense like they're watching all these different shows why not bring them all into one location and have them compete like it's a brilliant idea i can't knock it so i mean is it taking away money from other real worlders that that just do this consistently yeah because they go they do these shows they win this money they go on tour that you know they have that money they can invest it they can put it other places they spend it for the family it dries up then they go back to another show win some money do a tour it's like a nice cycle like if, if you're like a, a giant bananas or um uh ct someone that can do that and if you can do a bar tour or spring break and collect you know that that bag yeah if it's taken away from them then that's definitely is a, a shitty thing but I mean, it's business at the end of the day. So you just got to find your, your next niche. Right, right. And um, do you have any plans for the rest of this year now? or? Uh, as far as the rest of the year, I mean, I'm just, just doing these virtual events. So um, I know we talked about it, but I'm number one on Google when you look up virtual party DJ. So I'm DJing sometimes at 3 a.m. for Australia. I'm DJing at 9 a.m. for Ireland events. Um, and it's just like being worldwide. Um, I'm working every day in December, except for like Mondays and Tuesdays. But like, besides that, I'm working just DJing for the planet. So that's going to be the rest of my year, hopefully. And now do you have any advice for maybe like younger DJs or people trying to get their foot in the door and whatever ambition they have? Um, there's so much, I mean, I know we only have so much time, but, um, from a technical aspect, I would say if you want to learn a DJ, yeah, definitely learn by mixing house first. Just learn how to mix beats together by mixing house. Then you can move into more, you know, abstract beats and, and different patterns and rhythms of hip hop and um, pop and rock and things like that. So, but from uh, a business standpoint, I mean, I would just say put together a nice brand, like, you know, research how to brand and get a proper logo and a name and get your website. I mean, everything is digital, unfortunately, right now. So, 
utilize that time and get your get your your name set up all your your accounts get your name across every social media platform as annoying as it is you got to do that or pay somebody to do it just get out there and get that because it's a lot easier to sell shit in a gold package you know and then to sell gold in a shitty package so that's the business part i can tell all the like the young dj is coming up right and um thank you again from your for your time where can we uh find you though so i can link this in the description for the viewers any websites of yours where we can maybe find your music that's what's up man yeah so if you just google uh or so i just say the website so if you just go to the website dj will gill um everything's there if you're looking for the virtual event side of things that's on there as well um i do also own a name zoom djs so if it's a lot easier for you to remember that um zoomdjs.com is the website but just google dj will gill you'll see me you'll see the brand the entity and then um then we all connect from there sweet and uh, thank you again, Will. And I wish you good luck in the rest of your endeavors and the rest of this year. Hopefully um, things start to clear up. So thank sure. you. Thank you so much for your time, man. Take care. Sure.